In 2006, the decomposed bodies of two females would be found in roadside ditches in rural Mills County, Iowa, just across the Missouri River from Nebraska. The first victim would be found in June, with the next being uncovered in November. The victims would be traced back to Omaha, where a man, who may hold the answers to the woman's murders, takes his own life to avoid justice being served for his own involvement in a murder from 23 years earlier. This is Midwest Mystery Files, Episode 7, The Murders of Breanne Smith and Deborah Barajas. Hello everyone, and welcome to Midwest Mystery Files. I'm your host Jeremiah, with just a few quick things before we start. Midwest Mystery Files is a bi-weekly true crime podcast focused on unsolved missing and murdered cases within the Midwestern region of the United States. I can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast platforms. Now, without further delay, on to today's episode. Mills County is located in southwestern Iowa. In stark contrast to Douglas County, Nebraska, the home of Omaha, located just to the northwest, it's a largely rural community, with only three of its eight towns containing a population of more than 1,000 people. Interstate 29 runs north and south, parallel to the Missouri River, with a large amount of traffic running through the county being travelers who are just passing through on their way elsewhere. Its isolation is most likely the reason it was chosen in 2006 to be the dumping ground of not one, but unfortunately two women who had had their lives taken from them. The first woman would be found on June 10, 2006, when a family dog would pull a bone out of a ditch off of Glover Road in Mills County, just west of the town of Glenwood. Most likely realizing the bone looked human, the family would investigate further and find a decomposing body in the ditch. At this point, the family contacted the Mills County Sheriff's Department, who responded and confirmed that the remains were indeed human, although at the time, they declined to release the gender or the approximated age of the deceased individual, with Sheriff Mac Taylor telling the Daily Nonpareil, We're waiting to get that confirmed by the lab. The body was in a state of decomposition. Rather than jump the gun, we're waiting for them to confirm that. The body would be sent to the Iowa DCI Medical Lab in Ankeny, Iowa for an autopsy and to identify the victim. Just over a month later, on July 18th, the Mills County Sheriff's Office and the Iowa Department of Criminal Investigation would announce that the victim had been positively identified as 25-year-old Breanne Smith of Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha is located approximately 25 miles northwest of where Breanne was found. An earlier press release from the sheriff's office had stated that when found, Breanne Smith had brown hair, a tattoo of a red rose on her right calf, and was wearing two crucifix necklaces, jeans, a tank top, and tennis shoes. There was also evidence of partial healing of an old fracture around the tailbone area of her body that was in the healing stages. However, investigators were ultimately able to identify Smith via her fingerprints, which were on file with the Omaha Police Department. It had been determined that she had been in the ditch for approximately 3 to 10 weeks before being discovered. In a July 19th Daily Nonpareil article, an Iowa DCI agent would state, The death is certainly of a suspicious nature and it is being investigated in that manner. Although we have not identified a clear cause of death, we are still awaiting further laboratory testing. A clear cause would never be released. However, the case would continue to be treated as a murder investigation. There isn't much information available on Breanne Smith, but here's what we do know. She was born Breanne Flowers on August 22, 1980 in Louisiana, 
At some juncture in her life, she ended up in Omaha, Nebraska, where she married Herschel Smith Jr. on February 14, 2004. News articles state that she had two children. However, one of her daughters commented on her IowaColdCases.org page in 2016 that she actually had three, two girls and one boy. It would later be found that Brianne had been missing since April of 2006. She had disappeared while working as a sex worker in Omaha, although it is unclear if she was ever reported missing or not. Mills County Sheriff Taylor would go on to note that before her identification was completed, nobody matching Smith's description had been reported missing to either the Omaha Police Department or the Douglas County Sheriff's Office. There is no mention after she was named as to if she was an active missing person or not, Given this lack of information, I can only assume that she was not. After the initial re news releases of Brianne's identification, all coverage of her case stops almost right away. There is no mention of her again for several months until November of 2006, when another victim would be found. On November 14, 2006, excavators digging up a property on 195th Street in rural Mills County would uncover the skeletal remains of a human within a tree-lined area. The Mills County Sheriff's Office quickly responded to the scene to confirm the discovery, with the Iowa DCI arriving not long after. After the initial check of the area, the body would be moved to the DCI crime lab for an autopsy and identification. While it was initially reported by some news outlets that the body was that of a female, Mills County Sheriff Mac Taylor would tell the Daily Nonpareil, It would only be speculation at this point. The lab will be able to identify the gender, approximate age, and ultimately the identity of the individual. Sheriff Taylor would also state that while they were unsure of it being a homicide, the scene was being treated as such so that all potential evidence could be safely preserved. It would only be a matter of days for identification to come through. On November 17th, the body would be identified as 44-year-old Deborah Ann Barajas of Omaha. Deborah, like Brianne Smith, was a sex worker and had been reported missing by her family on May 25th, 2006 to the Nebraska Missing Persons Clearinghouse after informing her mother that she would be stopping by for a visit and never arriving. Investigators were able to identify Deborah by comparing CT scans from her medical history to her remains. Deborah had previously had surgery after suffering an aneurysm. At the time, her family was unsure as to if she had had a metal plate inserted during the surgery, and as it turned out, the remains found in Mills County did indeed have a metal plate. Investigators were able to use the scan to verify Deborah did indeed have a metal plate inserted in her skull and were able to definitively identify her as the victim. Unfortunately, there is less information available on Deborah than there is on Brianne. She was born on April 5, 1962, as Deborah Gutierrez, and from what I could best find, married a man named Tony Barajas sometime before her death. Investigators were quick to theorize the deaths of both Deborah and Brianne were related having only been located a few miles apart from each other, and both being known sex workers who normally worked the Park Avenue and Leavenworth areas of Omaha. Right around the time Deborah was being identified, a man with connections to Deborah would jump to his death from an Omaha apartment building. Not because Deborah's remains had been uncovered, but because those of his wife had. On May 6, 2006, mushroom hunters were out searching an area of Pottawatomie County, the county to the north of Mills County. The area they were searching had in years past been covered with water, which had now receded over time. Thinking they were only out to find mushrooms that day, the hunters would soon find a much more grisly discovery that the water had been hiding. 
the individuals would happen upon a 55-gallon drum filled with concrete. Through a rusted hole in the barrel, they would notice what appeared to be human remains sealed within the concrete tomb. Upon retrieving the barrel and freeing the remains within, investigators were able to determine that the victim was a female, and they were most likely looking for a period of 5 to 25 years that she had been trapped in the barrel. It would be several months, however, before she could be identified. On November 5, 2006, it would be announced that the body was that of 28-year-old Lois Tomek, a Council Bluffs woman who had been missing since 1983. Tomek was a divorced mother of one who had been reported missing by her father on November of 1983. She was identified via mitochondrial DNA testing using DNA from her daughter. At the time, Tomek's cause of death was not yet released to the public, as investigators were still talking to family and trying to follow up on leads. However, it would be no time at all before a break would come in the case. On November 16th, 50-year-old Thomas Tomek, Lois's ex-husband, would jump from the roof of the Rorick Apartments located at 604 South 22nd Street in Omaha, ending his life. Pottawatomie Sheriff's investigators had interviewed Thomas at his home in Omaha on the night of November 15th. Investigators noted that he was extremely nervous throughout the interview, giving inconsistent answers and repeatedly contradicting himself. Thomas had long been the lone suspect in Lois's disappearance. Prior to their divorce, there was an established history of domestic abuse in the marriage. After the divorce and shortly before her disappearance, Lois became romantically involved with Thomas's brother, sending Thomas into a rage that would end with at least one physical altercation between the brothers. Lois would disappear shortly thereafter. At the time of her disappearance, investigators had little to work with that would definitively attach Thomas to the disappearance. Upon the discovery of Lois's body, however, it was confirmed that the concrete in the barrel was a sort that was only available for commercial use. In 1983, Thomas worked for a construction company where he would have access to the concrete as well as the necessary equipment needed to move the barrel. At the time of his suicide, steps were already being taken to secure a warrant for Thomas's arrest. And when Thomas's suicide was announced, investigators also revealed Lois's cause of death. Thomas had strangled her with a wire clothes hanger. It was still around her neck when she was removed from the barrel. At this point, you may be asking me what this has to do with Brianne and Deborah. Well, while looking into Thomas Tomek, investigators found that on May 16, 2006, nine days before Deborah's disappearance, Thomas had paid $250 to bail Deborah out of a Sarpy County jail in Nebraska, Sarpy County being the county just to the south of Douglas County. Authorities would be quick to note that at the time, Tomek was only a person of interest in Deborah's investigation and was not considered a suspect, with David Dales of the Iowa DCI telling the press, Obviously, we were aware that Tomek had bailed Deborah out of a Sarpy County jail in May. Does that mean anything? Maybe. We'll have to see. He would go on to state that to narrow an investigation in its initial stages would be a misstep. Further investigation by authorities and the press would reveal both Tomek's relationship with Deborah, as well as his violent history not only with his murdered ex-wife, but also with the woman in his life afterwards. Another ex-wife of Tomek's would tell investigators he also abused her and threatened her several times with murder, warning her that he had killed his previous wife with a clothes hanger. She cited her fear of Tomek as the reason she had not gone to the police with that information sooner. It was also soon discovered that Tomek did indeed have a history with sex workers. 
The woman who worked as a sex worker had told the Omaha World Herald that Tomek was indeed a regular of both her and Deborah, explaining that they both slept with Tomek for money several times in 2005. The woman made no mention if Deborah stopped sleeping with Tomek, but the woman had ceased all activity with him due to Tomek becoming increasingly more aggressive during their sessions. It was in this same article that a tentative connection was made between Brianne Smith and Deborah Barajas. Herschel Smith, Brianne Smith's husband, would further confirm the relationship between Deborah and Tomek. Smith, who had lived in the neighborhood for 15 years, was familiar with most of the sex workers, including Deborah. He would go on to state that Deborah told him that she would stay with Tomek at the Rorick, and she once introduced Tomek to him. If you remember, the Rorick Apartments is where Tomek had jumped to his death. Tomek worked in the building as a maintenance man, and some other sources state that he would allow Deborah to squat in unoccupied apartments on occasion when she needed time away from the world. Everybody knew that dude, Herschel would tell the Herald. Herschel, however, strongly believed that Brianne had never had Tomek as a client, nor had she ever actually met him. He would also explain that his wife worked to feed an addiction to cocaine, and he always felt Brianne was different from the other women. She had ambition and goals and made him look at life a little differently. She hated what she was doing, he would tell the Herald. He would continue to explain that while Brienne was working, they had a system to ensure her safety by writing down the license plate numbers of the vehicles that Brienne would get into. When she disappeared, however, Herschel was in jail. Herschel would state that generally when he was in jail, Brienne would only see established and trusted customers, a category that Thomas Tomek did not fit into. Herschel didn't believe that Brienne would have went off with anyone she didn't know unless he was recommended to her by another girl. It's worth noting that nowhere in the article does it say if Brienne and Deborah were acquainted or not. Given their close proximity, as well as the fact that Herschel clearly knew Deborah, I would think that they would. But without more information, it's hard to know for sure. Edie Derry, a lady described as the person who helped raise Brienne, would share her own thoughts on the matter. She would tell KETV Channel 7 in Omaha about the last phone call she received from Brienne before she disappeared, saying, She called from a phone number that we didn't recognize, so I don't know. Could be a connection? Maybe not. Her suspicions were further piqued when the connection between Tomek and Deborah was announced. She would state to KETV, I would say that I think he's connected. It just seems a little strange that all of it came full circle this way. It wasn't that far from where they found Brienne, so that in itself seems a little strange. The news report would continue to state that Derry and her husband had taken care of Brienne's children while she was missing, and now had plans to adopt them. When speaking on Brienne directly, she would state, She wasn't a bad girl. She just hadn't found her way home yet. By January 2007, investigators began to doubt that Tomek was involved in the slayings. Special Agent David Dales with the Iowa DCI would tell the Omaha World Herald, We are still calling Thomas Tomek a person of interest in Debbie's death, but we are also looking at others. There are still people we have to rule in or rule out. Dales would refrain from discussing any physical evidence in Brianne or Deborah's murders, but Special Agent Mitch Mordvet said investigators felt confident Debbie and Brianne knew each other and that his investigation into Smith's homicide centered on the Park Avenue and Leavenworth Street area of Omaha, the location where Deborah and Brianne had worked. He would go on to tell the Herald, We are definitely pursuing a number of other leads. In this type of case, some of the people and their circumstances make it difficult. 
Because of their lifestyle and the drug culture, some people don't want to cooperate. An Associated Press article released around the same time would state that Tomek had also been ruled out of the murders of two other Omaha sex workers, Michelle Mickey Lemire, age 21, in 1984, and Stephanie Caldwell, age 24, in 1986. He had never been named more than a person of interest in the murders of Brianne or Deborah. It's at this point in 2007 that coverage of Brianne Smith and Deborah Barajas' murders basically stop. If any modern articles focusing on cold cases have touched on them, I was unable to find them. And an internet search for their names only brings up their iowacoldcases.org pages, the sole reason I know about this case in the first place, as well as some archive articles from 2006 and January of 2007. In that time, I can't imagine that much movement has been made. The case was seemingly cold from the beginning, with only a person of interest attached to it. A person that was unable to be questioned due to taking his own life, as such murderous cowards tend to do when they know they've been caught. As usual, at this point, we're only left with theories. Obviously, we're going to start with the main one here, Thomas Tomek. Tomek looks like a likely suspect on paper. He knew Herschel, Brianne's husband, was essentially a confirmed client of Deborah, even bailing her out of jail and had a violent and murderous past, having murdered one wife, abusing another, and being over-aggressive with at least one sex worker. The pieces all fit together, yet at the same time we're basically left with a lot of circumstantial evidence and happenstance. Sure, Tomich knew Deborah, but he also knew several other sex workers. The Rorick, according to old Google reviews, was known for having sex workers hanging around outside. Who's to say he didn't treat any of them with the same favors, up to letting them squat in empty units or even bailing them out of jail? As Herschel Smith stated, everyone knew him. I find it hard to believe that Deborah was the only woman he would hire, but who's to know for sure? I also want to note that while Tomich was a sleazy pile of crap, he was smart enough to murder his ex-wife Lois at a time when he would most likely not be seen, then went to exceptional lengths to hide her body by putting her in a barrel filling it with concrete, and then putting it in water where it took 23 years to be found. And that was only because the water had receded. I find it hard to believe that the same man would go to a neighborhood he was known to frequent and was known by everyone, take two sex workers, one of which was married to another known person in the neighborhood, murder them, and then dispose of them in two easy-to-find locations, all within a couple weeks of each other. Furthermore, while sex workers might be reluctant to talk to the police, if any of them knew for a moment that the last person Brianne was known to go with was Thomas Tomek, I feel like one of them would have brought this information to Herschel. But what he might have done with it, I can't even begin to guess. I'm not saying that Tomek maybe didn't kill again after his ex-wife. Clearly, he didn't mind committing the act. I just think in this circumstance, it's highly unlikely. The thing I can say for sure is that in my own speculated opinion, Deborah and Brianna were most likely killed by the same person. Someone who was clearly familiar with both the Omaha area as well as Mills County. Whether or not they picked Deborah and Brianne up as clients, or maybe just snatched them off the street, is anyone's guess. I do find it interesting that the cause of death was never released for either woman. Maybe investigators were unable to determine a definitive one. I can't help but wonder though, if something was so specific on both women that authorities opted to keep it quiet in hopes to protect investigative integrity. That's speculation on my part, but it's certainly not unheard of. All I do know is that two women, women who filled various roles, wife, mother, 
daughter, sister, were murdered and discarded as if they were nothing. Those titles I gave them are important. The fact they were sex workers bears little importance, although I imagine that's why their cases fell to the wayside. Protections for sex workers and the legitimization of their trade is becoming more and more encouraged these days. However, in 2006, it was still a rather taboo subject, and cases involving people in that field of work were taken even less seriously than they are now. Deborah and Brianne's cases may be largely forgotten, but I'm here now, telling it to you, and you're here listening. I strongly encourage you to share this podcast, or go to iowacoldcases.org and share their case pages. You never know who could see this. Maybe a person from that time who was unwilling to speak will see it, have their memory jogged, and will now be in a position where they feel they can come forward. I was unsure at first if I wanted to do this episode. Even with two victims, I was unsure if I'd had enough information to make a long enough episode. And then I thought, you know what, it doesn't matter. Sure, there's lots of big cases, big names we've heard a thousand times before I could have picked from. But sometimes it's important to pick these smaller cases, these unspoken cases, cases that need that attention. Fifteen years is a long time for a murder to go unsolved, and it's not too late to see justice done in the murders of Breanne Smith and Deborah Barajas. And you never know, with the tension being brought to it, maybe we can see it sooner rather than later. If you have any information on the murders of Breanne Smith or Deborah Barajas, please contact the Mills County Sheriff's Office at 712 527 4337, or the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation at 712-322-1585, or email dcinfo at dps.state.ia.us. If you're looking for more information, there's really not much out there. The Daily Nonpareil and the Omaha World Herald did the most coverage at the time, with the Nonpareil articles being available online. You can also check out Thomas Tomek's Murderpedia page for additional articles. Lastly, you can find their Iowa Cold Case pages at www.iowacoldcases.org, and then by looking under Mills County. If you want to let me know what you think happened, have case suggestions, or just want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at Midwest underscore mystery underscore files. On Twitter at Files Midwest, or search for Midwest Mystery Files on Facebook. You can also email me at midwestmysteryfilespod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and like what you're hearing, feel free to leave a rating and review. This helps make the podcast more visible and brings more attention to underreported cases such as Brianna and Deborah's. Thank you to all who have done so already. Take care, everyone. I will see you all in two weeks.